Tonight, I am speaking on growth through pain. I have had a lot of pain. I'm not the only one. Everybody in here has had a lot of pain. You don't live life and not have pain, right? Everybody has pain. I think that the, the uh, defining factor is what do you do with that pain? We would rather not have pain. We would rather not deal with it. And so what do we do when pain comes? We pray that God will take it, right? Please take it away, Lord. Please take it away. Lord, I want to grow in you. Please take my pain away. Please take it away. In Jesus' name, take it away. Lord, I resist it. You said resist the devil. This is the devil. Pain's always the devil. You've been there. I'm not saying anything new to any of you. There are two kinds of pain. There are pa- there's pain that happens on the inside of us, internal pain, sickness, um, things outside our control. There was a season of pain that I went through uh, when I was 33 years old. I had never, we had had a great life. Uh, I, I really had had an idyllic life and I had married the love of my life. We had Kendra. She was two uh, and she was such a joyful child, and our life was filled with joy. She was the only grandchild on my side of the family. And, I mean, she was the apple of our eye. She kept us rolling, laughing all the time. And all of a sudden, my dad became ill. The diagnosis was colon cancer, and eight months later, he was gone. It was out of our control, out of our control. My mom, who I love dearly, who is a great woman, checked out. She existed. She tried really hard, but the light went out in her eyes. And we just lost her last year. She lived 28 years after that. And um, the light was never really back the same way that it was before we lost my dad. I went through a season there of disillusionment. And um, I went through a season of, oh, my Lord, the pain was indescribable, the loss of losing my dad, because I'd been taught if you prayed and you asked God to heal, he would heal, and that that wouldn't happen. And my dad was a great man, and he shouldn't have died, and we told God that, and God didn't listen. And so I was very disillusioned with faith. I was disillusioned with God. I was disillusioned with my relationship with God. I was disillusioned with everything I had ever been taught. And I, I know that I'm speaking words that people don't normally speak, but I would venture to guess that there's some people in the audience that are relating to me. Am I right? Am I right? Do I have, yeah. So that is what, thank God, So I had been like this all my life. I reached the season of pain and I plateau. And you can either do two things. You can go positive and keep growing. Or you can go negative and you'll go off the cliff and you'll never grow. Spiritually, emotionally, all these other ways. The problem with so many people out there today that are broken emotionally is not because they've gone through pain. Because everybody's gone through pain. It's how they reacted to the pain. What did they allow it to do in them? And um, thank God, that is what drove me to the word. 
That's what drove me to seek out the words of the Bible. And it's like, okay, I'm disillusioned. Why am I disillusioned? What is it that's not right? And so I went to the word of God. I wanted to see what it was in the word that was wrong, that didn't pan out. And good news, I found that nothing was wrong. Everything that was wrong was my perception of it. And that's whenever I got so diligent about finding out what the words really mean and what the context really says and what we are to really do. So that's, that's, that was my story of how I did that. But that is pain that is external that we usually can't do anything about death, illness, um, these kind of things. But then there is another kind of pain that is inflicted on, on us by others. And whenever we are hurt by that kind of pain, it's different. We re- react to it differently. We respond differently. But the results are still the same. We can either grow through that and allow it to take us higher, or we can slam up against the wall and allow it to plunge us over the side of the, ki- uh, the cliff. But tonight, I am going to be dealing with the kind of pain that comes from other people. It can be in the church, out of the church, in your family, out of your family, in your past, in your present, whatever. That's the kind of pain I'm talking about right now. And I have come to give you hope. You can grow through your pain. That is hope. Before I get into the scripture, I just want to say I'm so thankful to have the young adults with us tonight. They add such energy to the room, even when they're quiet. It just gives me energy to look over there. And I'm going to be with them for three weeks after this. So don't be surprised if I come skipping into church. I'm going to have so much energy. I'm so excited about being with them. Psalm 6. I'm not going to say the first words because I don't know how to say them. But it's to the chief musician on something upon something. I'm not sure. A Psalm of David. See? Can you say it? I can't either. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? In other words, how long are you going to leave me like this, God? That's some depression going on in those first three verses. Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? If you kill me, Lord, nobody's going to even be here to praise you. I can't give you thanks in the grave. Could you please deliver me? He's trying everything. He's pulling out all the stops, trying to get God to listen to him. I am weary with my groaning all the night. Make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. I water my couch with my tears. If you've ever cried yourself to sleep, you know this feeling. And I will tell you, I have cried myself to sleep many nights and did not even have the energy nor the motivation to pray. But after I found this verse, I would just quote this verse. That's all I knew to do. Lord, I don't have any words. All I know is, is that David felt this way too. 
And he said he watered his couch with his tears. And Lord, you see, that's all I could do. Just remind him of what he had spoken in the Psalms. Verse 7, mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. And if you've ever been attacked by anybody, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been betrayed by anybody, you know what I'm talking about. You look in the mirror, you don't even recognize your own self sometimes. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. And as always, when David laments in a psalm, he ends it with praise. And that's something you can never forget. Pray those psalms of despair. Pray them. Water your couch with your tears. Pray them all night. But before you stop, you end with the praise. Because God is able. Depart from me, he declared. The Lord has heard me, he declared. The Lord has heard my supplication and the Lord will receive my prayer. So he had tears flowing down his face and he was watering his couch, but he was still going to declare the Lord has heard me and the Lord will receive my prayer. That's sometimes where we fail to go. We just stop with the watering. We don't go to the praising. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. And what you have to do is look up those words in there and see the depth of them and what they really mean. And I won't take time for that tonight, but do that. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus, we're talking about. Then said he, Jesus, unto the disciples. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. So your purpose tonight is twofold. You're to examine yourself. Have you ever caused offense to someone else? Is there unresolved offense that you have caused in your life still tonight? After you leave here, you have to fix it. The second part of it is, has someone offended you? Then I'm going to tell you how to deal with it because it's their problem after that, not yours. Years ago, I read this story in a book by Dr. Paul Brand, and the book is named The Gift of Pain. But I was reminded of it when I read another book called Leadership Pain by Dr. Sam Chand. And some of the points I will make today come from Chand's book, but the experience behind these points I fully lay claim to and count as my own original experiences. Because these times in our life are far too painful and too harsh and too deep for us to pretend that they didn't happen or that we don't know anything about them. So the book, Leadership Pain, may form some of the wording for tonight, but my own experiences bring the authenticity to this service. But the story that I read in The Gift of Pain, a different book, is about a four-year-old girl named Tanya who was brought to the National Leprosy Hospital very close to where we used to live in Alexandria, that is in Carville, Louisiana, down south along the coast. She did not have leprosy, but while she was being initially examined, Dr. Brand immediately noticed the little girl appeared totally calm as he removed her blood-stained bandages and examined her dislocated ankle. As the doctor gently moved her foot to assess the extent of the damage, Tanya appeared bored. 
she felt no pain at all. Her mother explained that she first realized Tanya's problem when she was only 18 months old. She had left her daughter in a playpen for a few minutes. And when she returned, she saw Tanya finger painting with large red swirls on the sheet. She hadn't remembered giving her daughter any paint. When she got closer, she screamed in horror because Tanya had bitten off the end of her finger and was using her blood as paint. When her mother screamed, the little girl looked up with streaks of blood on her teeth. Tanya suffered from a rare genetic malady called congenital indifference to pain, a condition very similar to leprosy. And in every other way, she was a healthy little girl, but she felt no pain at all. Seven years later, Tanya's mother called Dr. Brand to tell him that the little girl had lost both legs to amputation as well as most of her fingers. Her elbows were constantly dislocated and she suffered sepsis from ulcers on her hands and leg stumps. She had chewed her tongue so badly that it was swollen and lacerated. Tanya was a human metaphor of a life without pain. God's ways are always higher than our ways. I have no idea why he chooses to allow people to walk the road that he chooses for them to walk and others not to have to walk those kind of roads. How many of us choose a life of pain? I don't think any of us would choose a life of pain. So why then do we feel like we have to deny that it exists? Because it's just a part of life. If we don't have pain, we die. We become mutilated. We mutilate ourselves and we die. So many people think they have to put on a happy face or at least a stoic face for all their friends, for all their people. So they will refuse to admit their discouragement and their disappointment and their disillusionment even to themselves or they try to delay their pain. This may promise the short-term gain of avoiding discomfort, but it has devastating long-term consequences. Pain is real. There is no growth without change. There is no change without loss and there is no loss without pain. If you are not hurting, you aren't living. Your vision for the future, for tomorrow, has to be big enough to propel you to face the heartaches and the struggles you face along the way. This is not going to be a negative down thing tonight. It's really not. I am being real right now to get your attention. But there's a way out. So often Satan tries to tell us we're the only ones who face pain and he blows it up and magnifies it in front of us until it's so large that we can't see anything else around it except the pain right in front of us. And depression moves in and takes over and that's what happened with David in Psalm chapter 6. Depression through pain is a real thing. It's a very human thing. And David felt it just as some of you and I know I have felt it. Satan would have you believe there's no way out of it and it will never change. And I've been there. 
I've experienced such chronic, debilitating, continual pain in my body and in my heart until I've wondered why God even let me wake up in the morning. That went on far longer than I would ever even probably want to admit to anybody. And the depression that accompanies that is very real and it's very heavy and it's very dark. But instead of sinking and letting the waves of emotional and mental and physical pain take you under, let's see if there's a way we can turn that around and make the world a better place because of our pain. Let's see if we can propel the kingdom of God forward just a little bit because of our pain. Let's see if he wants to accomplish a specific purpose with our pain. And let's move the needle in an upward direction. So the first thing you need to write down tonight, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, is this. You will only grow to the threshold of your pain. If your pain is way high until it's like you can't even see the top of it. There's so much of it. The good side of that is, is that's how high you can grow. But if you don't have much and it's at a low level, then that's about how high you will grow because pain is the vehicle that helps you grow and that determines how high you will grow. You will only grow to the threshold of your pain. When you begin denying it and burying it and resisting it, you've put a ceiling on it and you will never rise above that level. And sometimes the ceiling becomes bitterness and sometimes anger and sometimes outlandish acting out and sometimes isolation and crippling depression. But wherever you choose to place the ceiling is the place you will stop growing and becoming. Because it is work to process through pain and through healing and reach a point of recovery. And that's not to say we will not have scars, but those scars should be reminders of his mercy and his goodness. They should not be open wounds which fester and become infected with bitterness and kill us. But you determine where the ceiling is placed and you determine where the growth is stopped. Wouldn't it be a tragedy To go through a lot of pain in your life and then waste it. The places where my threshold for pain has been really high and I feel I have grown a lot are the places that I will spend hours and hours pouring out of into somebody else. Because it would be a shame for me to waste those places of pain in my life when they can help strengthen somebody else. Wouldn't it be a shame to waste your pain. I'm going to list seven ways tonight to remove that ceiling and to lift it higher and, and for you to be able to begin to process through this. And it's never too late to change the trajectory of how you are processing the pain you have or have had in your life. If you have been negative Nelly all your life and people run from you because they know all you're going to do is cry and moan about what all you've gone through when they see you coming and you're 98 years old sitting here tonight, which I don't think there's anybody. And that's why I did that. Okay. But if there were, it's not too late for you to say, you know what? I'm going to raise the ceiling on this thing right here and I am not going to waste this and I'm going to go strengthen my brother out of my broken place. I'm going to go strengthen my brother out of my weakness. I'm going to go strengthen my sister out of my weakness. It is never too late to change the trajectory. He says it all the time. You can't turn around and get 
from here to there overnight, but you can turn your direction and face the other way. And you can do that before you leave here tonight. Seven steps to process your pain. Number one, accept pain and blessing. Accept pain and hurt as a blessing in your life. And all you have to do to try to wrap your mind around that is think about Tanya. Do you think if she would have bitten her finger and would it would have caused her pain that her family would not have thrown a party? Ah, oh, pain. She feels pain. This is a great day. Because they knew without her feeling it, she was going to self-destruct. So when you feel it, accept it as a blessing in your life. It means you're alive. It means you have another opportunity to grow and to be an example of growth. Our pain tells us we're moving in the right direction. Pain is not an intrusion into the life of a child of God. It is an essential element in shaping us. And I know that's a heavy statement. But I come from a place of experience where I can say that. I love what Elton Trueblood said. He said, occasionally we talk about our Christianity as something that solves problems. And there is a sense in which it does. But long before it does so, it increases both the number and the intensity of the problems. And if a man wishes to avoid the disturbing effect of paradoxes, the best advice is for him to leave the Christian faith alone. Number two, see pain as your greatest teacher. See pain as your greatest teacher. Pain and hurt never go away. When it isn't resolved, it sinks deep into our minds. It creates anxiety in our hearts, causes resentment and depression, and creates tension in our relationships. So see pain as your greatest teacher. There is a type of pain, it's a relationship pain, that happens to the people, usually in the house of God, um, but it also happens in families, it can happen in social groups, um, when you have a, a tight social group, where through, intentionally or unintentionally, someone will hurt the other one. You've heard that statement, hurting people hurt people. Usually someone who's hurting will hurt someone else. The someone else gets sensitive, gets mad. Sometimes they take it wrong and blow it up. Sometimes they take it right, and it was a bad thing. But the problem is, is human nature, the devil in the garden started this. Human nature starts a process of separation between us when that happens. So Jesus came along in the New Testament and he gave us a way to bring that back together. And that was in Matthew 18. I think Terry has taught this several times. I'm not going to go over it again. But for those of you who may not have been young adults who may not have been in here at the time, Matthew 18, 15 through 17 gives us the solution for how we are to solve these interpersonal relationship problems that crop up between us. If we don't do it this way, Chances are we're not going to resolve it. But what is so amazing to me is that there are hundreds and if not thousands of book on, books on Amazon right now telling you how to do it another way. I'm just giving you three verses that will solve it all right here. 
If your brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone, by yourself, without your friend. And if he shall hear you, you've gained your brother. You've worked it out. Don't power up and go talk to everybody else about it and make a big deal out of it. But if he won't hear you, take with you somebody else. And he teaches it so much better. I'm not going to spend a long time here. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So take with you a witness and say, now listen. I tried to work it out once before. Listen, we've got somebody here we both respect. Let's see if we can work this out. No, I am not. You, no. Okay, then it says after that, then go to the church, the pastor. We interpret the churches to mean the church leadership, the pastor, or whomever the leader is that you were to go to. Then take it to them and listen to this part. But if he neglect to hear the church or the pastor or the, neg- or the, the designated person, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Do you know where we lose our energy many, many times, especially in the ministry we do this? We lose our energy in the fact that, well, I've got to keep reaching for them. You've gone to them by yourself. You took somebody else and you went with a leader and they still won't hear. And you're, so then you're going to wear yourself out doing what? Jesus said you don't, he shall be unto thee as a heathen and a publican. That's pretty strong. In other words, you three tries. Oh, that's not something we like to hear. That's not something that's taught. I'm supposed to love everybody. We're supposed to forgive 75 times 7. Absolutely, we're supposed to get forgive 70 times 7. Forgiveness is internal. Forgiveness is not external. It's internal. Forgiveness is what happens in here. This can help some people. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be hard. I want to I want to make that clear. If you think a fourth time will fix it and you want to take a neutral person with you and try again, go. Go. But the usually you don't have to go that far. Have I ever done this? Yes, I have. Did it work? Yeah, most of the time it did. Has it not worked before? Yeah. It's, there's been a few times it didn't work. And I'm thinking of one in particular right now. But here's what it did. Even though it did not restore a relationship. It diffused it. And there was not an issue. Now, there's not any interaction. There's not whatever. But it diffused it. God knows what he's talking about when he gives us guidelines. If we'll just follow them. Number three, honestly examine your part in the pain. And this is the hard part. We all want to justify our actions. We know what was driving us, what we were going through and what we were thinking. But what was unsaid, what was undone, what was unfair on our part that we projected onto someone else. Honestly examine your part in the pain. Number four, let your purpose drive you. We've talked about that in here already. Let your purpose drive you. If you don't know what your purpose in this life is, and I'm talking to every one of you, retired, whatever, you have purpose. 
until you draw your last breath. David did the will of God for his life, the Bible says, until he fell on sleep. You have purpose. And if you don't know what that is, half the time you're going to spend your time blaming some situation or some other person for the pain you're feeling. And the pain is actually your lack of defining your purpose. Now, did that, I'm going to let you just think about that for a second. Because when Jesus, derailing here, and I shouldn't, but I'm going to just for a second. When Jesus was with his disciples and he said, I have to go through Samaria. And they stopped at the well and he sent them to town to buy food because it was time to eat. And the lady came and he sat there in the hot sun and he was hot and he was hungry. And he sat there in the hot sun and he ministered to her. And so the disciples come back and she tells them, oh my goodness, he's changed my life. She goes away and they said, master, we've brought you food. And he's just like in the moment. And he said, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. And they said, who brought him food? Did you bring him food? I didn't bring him food. He said, my food is to do the, is to do the will of him who sent me. That's my food. That's what I'm talking about. So much of our pain on the inside is because we have not defined what the will is of him that has sent us. Because whenever he sends you and you fall into line with his purpose from birth until death, starting now until death, it is possible. Whenever you do that, you don't need food. You don't need anything. You just know you do. You have to eat. Everybody has to eat. But my point is, is it fulfills you. It fills you up. It keeps you from feeling all of the things and from building layer on top of layer of pain that is real and imagined. It takes the levels down. Does this make sense? Number five. Number four was know your purpose. Number five, have a rigorous personal development plan. And if you're sitting there and you're saying to me, which it's possible that you might be, and I would understand it if you are. If you were saying to me, I have worked hard all my life and I'm retired and I'm not going to have a rigorous personal anything. Because I have earned this and I'm just going to, I'm just going to enjoy my retirement. Well, I'm not going to try to change your mind because you probably have earned it because I would imagine you have worked hard. But I will just say that you will probably die a lot sooner than you would have. Because when you have purpose and when you have a rigorous personal development plan, what does that mean? A rigorous personal development plan might be just memorizing one scripture a week. If it's more than you're doing now, it's developing yourself. It's developing who you are. It's growing until the Lord says, okay, no more growth time for you. It's over. Come up to me. Okay, fine. But you grow until he says that. You don't stop until he says that. 
Sister Hudiger is helping me on a project. Thank you for waving your hand right there. I didn't even know you were in here. She's helping me on a project. I'm teaching a Bible school overseas. I'm teaching a two-week course to this Bible school overseas. And she's helping me with some of the grading of that because I just can't get to it all. So I ask her for her bio because I'm to introduce her to the students. And on her bio, she said, happily enjoying retirement. And then listed a whole page full of stuff she's doing. And then she said, before I die, I'm determined to learn to play the piano and to master Mandarin. Yes. Thank you. And I will join you. Maybe. After I finish all this other stuff. I'm not talking about you have to be busy all the time. I'm just saying, find your purpose. And then after you find your purpose, ask God, what is one thing you can do to help develop that in your life? That's all I'm saying. Number six is one that I had never thought of before, but has proven to be a lifesaver to me. And that is get a pain partner. And if you're married, it doesn't need to be your spouse. And if you are dating, it doesn't need to be your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Because you'll drive them nuts. That was just for free. When people have no place to vent their frustrations and no one to understand their pain, they internalize all the hurt and the fear and the confusion and the anger. And some experience severe physiological problems that can result in prolonged disease and premature death, and others give up completely. Suicide can become an attractive alternative for leaders who can't see any light in their future, and they feel utter isolation and abject hopelessness. So how do you choose a pain partner? First of all, don't look at them, look at yourself. What are you going to be? Are you going to be a drain that does not want to come out of where you are? Or do you just need someone to lift their hand down and help pull you out of where you are? Because I have tried to be this for people before, and I would reach my hand down to try to help them pull them out. And they tried to pull me down to where they were because they really didn't want to get out of where they were. So that part's left up to you. Are you wanting to get out? There's all kind of hands around here that will pull you out. But people who are going to reach down and try to help pull you out are not going to be the same ones that want to jump in with you. So, you decide what kind of person you want to be. And then you choose a partner who's going to be real with you. Who's going to say no to you. Who's going to be strong. Here's some questions you ask. Who in your life gets you? And they do not think you're weak or strange when you wrestle with all of the complexities of the things that you are wrestling with. Who listens to you without feeling compelled to give you advice? Now, that's interesting. Sometimes you don't need advice. Sometimes you just need to listen. Who asks second and third questions to draw you out instead of giving pat answers and simple prescriptions and easy formulas? Who is your safe haven so you can be completely honest and open? This is a major 
problem. And if you are not a safe haven, you better go to the Lord and repent and ask him to help make you one. Because it is wrong that people are disintegrating around us and we are supposed to be the body of Christ and nobody can trust anybody else. I suffered for years in silence because I was just a little bit afraid of this one or just a little bit afraid of that one or I don't know if I can tell them everything. That's wrong. That's terrible. I will not be that person. And please, I am begging of you, don't be that person. Be a safe haven. People are hurting. People are broken. And when their ship sails into your harbor, they don't need to feel like that it's going to capsize there too. One leader in the book, Leadership Pain, or a person said, I have a friend who's been with me. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get to the last point there. With whom do you leave feeling better? How many of you have been with people and it's like, I want to go be with them. I'm going to hang with them. I want to go with them. We're going to go eat together. And when you left, you, you felt ugh, dirty. The conversation was about people. The conversation was not edifying. The conversation was, and you were like, you know what I'm talking about? Who are those people when you leave, you think, I want to be better. I want to be more. I I can do this. I want to be stronger. Who are those people? One leader in leadership pain said, I have a friend who has been with me through thick and thin. We've been with each other through all the ups and downs of life and ministry. But recently I realized something. When I'm with him, I'm not a better person. I'm not more positive. I'm not more joyful. And I'm not more faithful. Young people, I hope you're listening to me right now. A lot of times people can be so much fun. They can be. But they, they tend to make you want to do things that you know are not right. And that you know are not not doesn't have character and then you know doesn't have integrity choose who you hang with choose who you even sit at a table with it's important when I'm with him I'm not a better person I'm not more positive joyful faithful I don't know if it's been this way all these years but this has been true in the past months he sighed deeply and he reflected I may need to find a better friend I want you to listen to this statement right here Often we have no time for our friends, but we have all the time in the world for our enemies. The problem with that is, is we don't know they're our enemies. But if they're bringing us down, if they're causing us to go the wrong direction, if they're making us think wrong thoughts, if they're making us act in wrong actions, they are not our friend. And then the seventh thing, that you can do to process pain, you were probably expecting this, is forgiveness. Matthew 6 and 12, verses 14 and 15, was when Jesus taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. I pray it every night before I go to bed. Every single night. That's the last thing, really, probably, that's in my mind before I, I lose consciousness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And then later on in verse 14, he said, the reason why I put that line in there, guys, talking to the disciples, is because if you forgive men their trespasses, then I'm going to forgive you. But if you don't forgive men, I'm not going to forgive you. If you don't forgive men, you're not going to get rid of your pain. If you don't forgive the person who hurt you, whether or not they want it, they may even be dead. They may even be in a place where they can't even ask your forgiveness. They may not want your forgiveness. That's not the point. Because bitterness and unforgiveness happens internally. It's the poison pill I take hoping you die. But forgiveness is the pill that I take which allows me to live. What happens on the outside and how you treat people on the outside has nothing to do with forgiveness. I can treat people that I can just walk up and you would never know anything's wrong. And deep in my heart, only I know if the forgiveness is there. And that's what will eat you up. And that's what will cause you pain. That's what will kill you. And ultimately, it will send you to hell. Because when you do mess up, because you will, and you ask him for forgiveness, he's going to say, I can't. Because forgiveness has to come horizontally before you can get it vertically. Forgiveness is in here. How do we forgive? Call their name every day in prayer. Call their name. Write it down in your journal. Ask God to bless them and heal them and prosper their way. Ask God to put his love in our heart for them. Lord, I can't love them. I can't. And he says, that's okay. You don't have to. I will love them. Just ask me to put my love in your heart for them. Do you notice Jesus on the cross didn't say, I forgive you to the two men on either side of him? He couldn't. He didn't have it. Even Jesus, he said, Father, you're going to have to forgive them. You forgive them through me. But I can't do it by myself. You're going to have to do it, and you've got to do it. Father, forgive them. There are some wounds that we have that are so deep that we don't have the power on our own to do the forgiving. And we have to ask him to do it. But when you do, you are releasing yourself to be more pain-free. You're releasing that threshold to go higher. That's what's happening. It's really difficult to remain unforgiving towards someone when we call their name in prayer every day, asking God to bless them. But if, we're, if we do not do this, we're told in God's word that he won't forgive us. Carlos Castaneda who I do, don't even, do not even know. I read this in a book. I hope he wasn't a bad person because he said a really great thing here. He said, we either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves strong. But the amount of work is the same. You can choose tonight to take what I've said And you can choose to leave it on the seat behind you and you can walk out and you can go live your life just like you were before you came in. 
Or you can choose to say, I'm going to count pain as a blessing. And I'm going to let it make me stronger. And I'm going to minister from my broken places. And I'm going to forgive even past my own ability that I feel I can. And the amount of work that it will take you to do that, as it takes you to leave what I've said on the seat and walk out, is the same. The same amount of work. So the choice is yours, and we're going to end a little bit differently tonight. I'm asking Brother Zach to just come. And I know it's Wednesday. I know it's Bible study. I know we do an hour, and we leave, and we're going to. But we still have another eight minutes. And in that time, I would like for us to stand. And if you feel like you need God to help you process through some pain, You can either kneel at your seat. I'm not asking you to make a show of yourself or anything. You can kneel at your seat. You can come up here and you can kneel. If you would like for somebody to pray with you, you can, you can come to one of us and my husband's over there. The missionaries are in here. Uh, Brother Grant is up here. He'll be singing. I'm here. There's people that will pray with you. We won't come to you. We won't intrude upon your privacy. But if you'd like for us to, we're here. And if you don't have anything that you'd like to come forward for, would you bow your head? And would you pray for those in here who do have things that they need to let go of? We want to grow through our pain. We don't want it to take our lives. We don't want to lose limbs and lose fingers and lose toes and legs and not even know it. Because we are so inward focused. But God, I pray that you will allow everyone in here who has held on to some sort of a hurt to be able to realize that they can process through it tonight. They don't have to deny it. They don't have to feel bad about it. They can just give it to you and they can process through it. And they can go forward. And we can grow And Sunday, when we walk back in here, Lord, we don't have to be the same people that we walked out of here like. God, we can change trajectory tonight. We can grow through our pain because we don't want to stay the same. We want to be what you want us to be, Jesus. Can we just all bow our heads and pray just for a second while Grant leads us?
realize that pain does come from you too, Lord. It's for our good. It's for our growth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence in this place, for your healing power in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.